to match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat children. All right. We back. Another episode of the motherfucking Tough Talk Podcast. Uh, it's just me this week. No co-hosts. Uh, no guests. Uh, I typed a message to a guest and then forgot to hit send. That's what happened. And after a while, I was wondering too, like, damn, that guest didn't hit me back. And then I checked it <laughs> last night. And was like, you know what? Fuck it. We going solo dolo this morning. Uh, I guess your little update on me. The whole comedy, the career in quotations. Um, <laughs> uh, went to L.A. last week. That was fun. Uh, stayed a couple of days. What, four days there. Got some sunshine on my face. Got out of New York. Uh. And the gray skies, um, tall buildings, and the rats. Uh, can't can't announce to you guys what I went out to L.A. for. <laughs> uh, I'll be able to announce it in another month or so, I believe, here. So that's some good news. And, uh, yeah, I got out there. And I got out there a day after the comedy clubs reopened, so that was pretty cool. Just catching that whole vibe, you know, everybody was outside and, you know, going to places they <laughs> felt like or they were talking like prisoners. Oh, man, it's good to be back. And It's like, yeah. Which is, you know, in New York, we got our freedom papers about what a month before they did. So we were a little ahead of them like, oh, OK, you guys are just now getting your freedoms back like we did a month ago in New York. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Got to catch some vibes. Got to see some hills. Uh, I love the weather every time I'm out there. I haven't been out there since 2007. I did uh, Chocolate Sundays years ago, 2007. I think it was my second year in comedy. I'm on like year 15 now, so <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Not much has changed out there comedy-wise. Uh, still got the three major comedy clubs in L.A. anyway. Uh, what, the Comedy Store, Laugh Factory, and Improv, which I walked on Sunset for a little bit and checked them out. Caught the vibe of, you know, the reopenings. and uh, It's a different vibe in L.A., you know just walking down sunset you know the stores on one end of sunset and the laugh factories on the other so go by the store or whatever of course there's a security there you know <laughs> they got the doormen so i had to kind of talk my way in or whatever basically i told the dude like listen man i'm all the way from new york who knows when the next time i'll be here and he's like hey man look I w usually I would let you in and this would be a cool hang, but COVID's going on and we can't really do that right now. So I had to kind of fall back. I told the dude like, yo, I got like 10 minutes left on my parking. Uh, so, you know, I can only stay probably five minutes. And he was like, you know what, man? I don't even see you going in. So went in and hung around for a little bit, caught a vibe, got to see the crowd, catch a little vibe, you know. 
get a feel for the room and see how it looked. But I didn't get to stay long. Then I went up the block to the Laugh Factory and went up the block to the Laugh Factory. Same deal where it's like, ah, fuck, another doorman. Which is just completely different vibe than uh, New York because in New York, all the clubs are pretty comic friendly, you know, and there's no doorman. But in LA, there's doormen at each club. And it's, they're doing the whole Hollywood thing. Are you on the list? And you're like, damn, there's a list, man. We at McDonald's. <laughs> Got a goddamn list for the play place. Just brought my niece here thinking she could play. And there's a list. Even for the play place. Let me just go ahead and try to get something neat. Is there a list for that too? Yeah. There's a list for everything in LA. So, yeah, it's humbling in a sense. Because last time I was in L.A., kind of the same deal. I was a nobody. So I was hoping I'd have a billboard and be in a few movies by now. And then <laughs> when I got back, it'd be a little different, but wrong. Still got to see that doorman. Maybe tip him a little extra cash to even get in the spot. But now nah, the guy was nice enough, actually. I can't remember his name right now, but. At the Laugh Factory to actually let me in. I felt slimy. I had to drop Alonzo Bowden's name a few times. Like, yeah, man. I'm featured for Alonzo Bowden. He's on your wall. <laughs> I showed him a picture of me on stage there in 2007. Which we didn't have good cell phone technology then. It was probably taken on a Razor phone or some shit. It was all pixelated. But he was like, oh, okay. You actually are a comedian. Hey, man. You know, Alonzo Bowden has a feature and a picture of you on stage. That'll do it. So he let me come inside and I hung out for a little bit. It was still, you know, the capacity thing. So it was as packed as it could be. Got to catch a couple comics going up. Catch that vibe. L.A. vibes, a little different. Yeah, the only one I didn't go to was the improv. And like I said, it's kind of crazy that those are the same clubs that were there in 2007. And I mean, not that you want them to go anywhere, but there are no new clubs. Whereas in New York, I feel like there's this growth, you know, that happens. I mean, the Village Lanterns are a legit club now. And the Grizzly Pears are a legit club now. We had QED pop up. Uh, we've had the stand. And I mean, this is since... 07, but I'd say as recent as the last decade, you could go from 2010 on, you know, what, what is LOL comedy club, but like I said, pretty much with the exception of the cellar, there's no doorman and you can kind of just walk into New York comedy club or stand up New York or the comic strip. It's a lot cooler and comic friendly of a vibe, you know, <laughs> where's the whole, <laughs> are you on the list thing? Uh, so yeah it was fun to be out there like I said the weather's different the whole vibe see some palm trees and whatnot. which is so funny because if you especially on the black side of things you think about like uh, you know all the violence that happens out there happens under palm trees <laughs> those niggas being tough as fuck underneath a palm tree We'll set you claiming cuz. And all that. So. It's a little bit of a strange place. But I got some 
good Mexican food while I was out there. I don't even think I can quite pronounce the name of the place I was getting these enchiladas from. So I rediscovered enchiladas out there, fire-ass enchiladas. Probably gained some weight. Fat boy Phil is in full effect. Anyway, there was another spot on Sunset, like the Carnies, I think it was called. The shit was in a trailer, which I always feel like the more run down an establishment is, the better the food. So I kept walking past Carnies as I'm walking down Sunset, and I'm like, you know what? We stopping in there. When I was coming out, some real big people was coming in, and they was like, you're going to love it. And I was like, awesome. Big people know where the food is, man. You follow the big people. You're going to get you some good-ass food. I don't trust skinny people's food recommendations. That means nothing to me. Nada. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was cool. Coming back to New York, I guess we uh the curfew got up and we jumped from I think thirty percent capacity to seventy five percent when I got back. So yeah, I was walking down McDougal in the village and it was crazy packed. So I think I'm gonna go get the Fauci juice soon because everybody's already acting like everybody's got the vaccine. So it's like you know what, it might take be time to juice up just because. Everybody's already acting like they forgot how to distance, which I'm not a big germaphobe or nothing, but it's like, damn, I've, I think I've become accustomed to that amount of space. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, getting back to New York and had a couple shows this weekend, so good to see the pair jumping. Uh, did the pair, did the lantern. Stand up New York. Uh, so it's been good to see the crowds coming back out. People are people are Netflixed out, man. People ready to laugh. People are ready to come out. So that's good to see at least, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, 75%, that's pretty major. July 1st, we get, we get our full rights back July 1st. We're going back up to the 100. So, yeah, I'm going to try to have a vaccine by the end go ahead and embrace the fact that people have forgot that distancing and masking was even a thing like I used to turn the corner and feel tough because I would be the only one wearing a mask now everybody's wearing a mask or everybody's got their mask off and it's just like wait I was the only brave person two weeks ago and y'all was all staring at me funny <laughs> or was that because I was black anyway yeah I think I will Go ahead and mask up. Uh, what else is going on? I guess the NBA season's winding down. That's been interesting. Uh, <laughs> LeBron is complaining. Uh, speaking of L.A., the Lakers have fell all the way to, I think, seventh place. That means they're going to have to be in the playing tournament, which I guess for those of you that aren't sports fans, you know, the NBA has, I think they play this year, which is somewhat of a short season. They might have played 75 or 80 games this year, which, you know, is enough to kind of tell you, like, you're either good or bad, right? <laughs> but for some weird reason, they added this play-in tournament that 
number seven, the teams that are ranked seven through 10th are going to play a little tournament to see who gets to go to the playoffs. And a lot of people just feel like, hey, uh, the regular season is the play-in tournament. What the fuck is this? You know? It's almost like some form of extra credit. Which every now and then you see a teacher give extra credit, and you got to hate a little because you go, well, shit, I got to be already. These slow motherfuckers got an F. Just go ahead and give them an F. We got a bet going. Don't fuck up our bet. Which I'm laughing because I know. David Stern and Kobe Bryant are in heaven just pissed about this playing tournament. Because Kobe's so competitive. It's just like, bro, what what is this? This wasn't around when we was out there. But anyway, LeBron. LeBron got mad because he's like, what the hell is that? I mean, we've already got the seventh seed. Can't we just start the playoffs? And that wouldn't be so funny, which I agree with him. But it wouldn't be so funny if... If he hadn't, um, he <laughs> last year is on record as saying, you know, the playing tournament's great, and they were a number one seed last year at the Lakers, so he didn't have to participate in it. So he was like, this is great. So then you cut to this year when he's a seventh seed, his team, and he's all like, oh man, this is the stupidest thing ever. Like, why do we have to do this, man? Whoever came up with this shit should be fired. And it's just like, whoo. You know somebody's pissed when they when they when they're suggestive that people be fired <laughs> in this economy. LeBron is big mad. I think those was his knees talking. And the reporter held the microphone to his knees and the knees got raw. But he said the same thing about the All-Star game. All-Star game. What are we doing that for? I thought that was a deadly disease out there. Shouldn't we be home safe with our families? Uh, LeBron is every bit of a 17-year employee. <laughs> like, people think because he's made millions that it's any different than some old black man at your job that is just sick of this shit. LeBron been on the job 17 years, 17 long, hard years. All his life he had to fight. And he is sick of it. <laughs> Ah, that brother said, hey, man, whoever came up with this shit should be fired. After saying the year before, man, you know, this is great for our league. <laughs> Overtime is great when your ass ain't got to do it. When you ain't got to work it, you like, hey, cool. Glad y'all getting that overtime, brother. When they nominate your ass to work overtime, you like, hey, brother. Hey, 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 now who in the hell came up with this? LeBron just turned into an old black man that been on the job 17 years with a cigarette behind his ear. But yeah, I get it. Like I said, I get his frustration where it's like, what is this? But he should have had that same energy last year. Uh, my Pacers is sweet. We not doing so well. We sliding. We missing Mouse Turner. He's number one in blocks. Our point guard Brogdon is hurt. And recently, though, the good news is our coach is under fire. Like, people are starting to recognize it. Like, what is this coach doing? Uh, so, for those of you who don't know, and I mean, I've been talking about it all year on here. We we had a black coach named Nate McMillan. And for some reason, he got us to the playoffs four straight years. And 
two of those years, we lost in the first round to LeBron, which to me, those losses don't even count. <laughs> we should have had to play in then, goddammit. We could have avoided them anyway. The other two years we lost, it's just like last year, we lost to the Heat, who made it to the finals. We didn't have our best player, which was Sabonis. And they had signed him an extension, you know, two months before they fired him. So it's just like, what was it about black people, the last hired and the first fired? So, goddammit, <laughs> he was offered an extension and then fired in the same year, which is just ridiculous. That shit is true. I remember reading that in like my fifth grade social studies book and being like, wait, what was that? <laughs> right in the middle of your social studies book is this Dr. Umar S. quote. <laughs> the last hired and the first fired. I only say that because I think of Dwayne Casey that was the coach of the Toronto Raptors and got coach of the year and then fired. <laughs> it's just like, God damn. <laughs> He was black, of course, which this coach that we hired is also named Nate, but I can't even pronounce his last name. Nate B and then a bunch of, uh, what are they called? Consonants, because not vowels, opposite of vowels, but Jorkin or some shit. Anyway, we hired this guy from Toronto and they fired Dwayne Casey, the black coach, the coach of the year anyway. Nick Nurse replaced him. This guy, Nate Bajorkin, was his assistant. And last year, we were fourth under Black Nate. We finished 30th in threes, which I just quickly ran about this whole modern basketball crap that it's like, yo, what is modern bas basketball? Is basketball like if we ain't going back to the old, uh, you know, George Mike in days where he's shooting underhand free throws and we're shooting set shots and there's no three-point line. What the fuck are we talking about? Basketball is basketball. There's a shot clock, three-point line, all the modern shit people are dunking. It's like, what are, what are you talking about? So, yeah, all summer I'm reading about how this new coach, Nate, white Nate, we'll call him, is... You know, we're going to get up and down. He plays a modern style. We finished 30th and threes last year. And it's just like, get up and down. Every team gets up and down. Are you going to get up and down and win? What are you going to get up and down and do? You going to get up and down and play some fucking defense? Anyway. So, yeah, that was the rub, which I hate the, you know, modern basketball, the, which I blame it all on Mike D'Antoni. Fucking Steve Nash and his white privilege winning two MVPs, but no finals appearances. Kobe and Shaq only both have one NBA MVP. What, nine championships between the two of them? Kobe five, Shaq four, both one MVP. And this white guy, no finals, no championships, two NBA MVPs, which people will say, oh, well, it's a regular season award. Hey, fuck you, man. What you do in the first and second round counts because I don't think they announced it to the second round. So, you know, but Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash, who both now are coaching for the Suns, which that's how bad Mike D'Antoni felt that he wound up on the coaching staff of somebody that used to play for him, <laughs> which is hilarious, you know. 
that's like if I don't know you and your boss if you get fired from your job and wind up working for somebody that you used to be in charge of so anyway yeah then Tony it's just always been a bunch of fluff to me of like the way the Suns played in the late 2000s you know 2003 4-ish with Steve Nash that everybody idolized but it's like they didn't win shit <laughs> I just feel like if they were black there would have been more scrutiny and people bring up a lot more that they didn't win shit. But somehow it wound up influencing the game, advanced analytics, and everyone needs to shoot threes. And it's like, yo, last year we were in fourth place in the East and we were 30th in threes. Meaning, so how important are threes? Not that important. And Black Nate's doing well in Atlanta. He went to Atlanta as an assistant coach. He was coaching for, I think, Lloyd Pierce, and Pierce got fired. And then Nate won like seven games in a row, and they're in fourth now. So it's just like, we we fucked up. And I know Indiana. If you Google, God bless Indiana, I'm from there, but if you Google the KKK, the birthplace, it depends on what you Google, you know, or what pops up on your Google but. Indiana sometimes is billed as the birthplace of the KKK, and sometimes uh, it's Tennessee, but which is a weird thing. People will yell at me. I'll be like, oh, I'm from Indiana. They'll be like, oh, the birthplace of the KKK. And I'm looking at them like, uh, weird way to start a conversation with somebody, but uh, continue. But anyway, yeah, so obviously, black coaches, we aren't too fond of them. So, yeah, we got this Nate that if Kawhi Leonard doesn't hit that lucky-ass shot on Philly, then he's not our coach. But that's what's going on in the NBA, winding it down, getting into some playoffs. I think we're in the playing tournament, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, what's good? What else have I been up to? Been watching some Invincible. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Uh, dope cartoon. Uh, cartoon or whatever uh, it's on I almost said Netflix it's on Amazon Prime so your boy had to renew that subscription for $10 just to check out 8 episodes but it is what it is that's the days day and time we live in but it was worth it man it's a good Good cartoon. Uh, feels like a bit of a throwback. And it's also got some very uh, grown-up elements to it, that cartoon. So, you know, checking that out. It reminds me a lot of, like, late 90s, early 2000s MTV cartoons. Like, I don't know if you guys remember Aeon Flux. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. Aeon Flux, but that was like a real grown-up cartoon that was on MTV. And then uh, what else was on there? Oh, at one point they had like a license for Spider-Man, but it was a grown-up Spider-Man. Like he was tongue-kissing Mary Jane. He was grabbing ass, all that. So it was a grown-up Mary Jane. And this is grown-up. Invincible is grown-up in a way of like, I'm sorry, there's some spoilers here. Uh <laughs> So, if you ain't into the spoilers or you haven't checked out Invincible, 
and probably skip ahead five minutes or so in this podcast. But yeah, Invincible's dope. Uh, I'm not a big spoiler person myself. That doesn't ruin shit. I still wonder how you spoiler alert motherfuckers watch porn. Surprise! It ends. It ends in the cream pie, <laughs> or a money shot, depending on what you clicked on. But it's probably right there in the title. But yeah, I uh, been checking out the Invincible. It's a dope, dope cartoon. I'm looking forward to season two. Um, which is kind of like a parody of a lot of cartoons. Uh, it's a parody almost like. Omni-Man is clearly some form of Superman. I mean, that's one thing about it. But I do like that with the exception of Omni-Man, everybody else kind of gets hurt a little bit, no matter if they're superhuman or not. They kind of, hey, they take some shots and they kind of get hurt. You know, they feel some things. Whereas, you know, in most superheroes, it's like barely, I mean, you know, the main character gets hurt a little bit just to create some sort of like idea that like, oh, this might go another way. But mostly like Omni-Man and uh, his son gets like injured at one point. He's in the hospital and it's like, OK, that's kind of real. You get crushed in the chest by an Incredible Hulk like villain. You probably have to go to the hospital to at least get some CAT scan or some x-rays. Whereas I feel like you never see that with most superheroes. It's just kind of like, oh, ouch. They give one loud ouch and then that's it. But uh, yeah, so dope part is they kind of humanize them a little. You know, Omni-Man is some form of Superman. This motherfucker's indestructible. But it's, it gets violent. It gets real gory. Starts out kind of slow. It looks like a cute father and son kind of superhero thing. You know, Omni-Man training the son invincible and teaching him to fly. And then it just picks up speed like quickly. But I love, I hate that they break the superhero rule. I feel like it's superhero one-on-one of Omni-Man doesn't wear a mask, <laughs> which seems just so counterintuitive of like, superheroes have to protect their identity that's kind of rule number one even when it gets ridiculous right even when it gets to be even when it gets to be um superman and something as ridiculous as putting on a pair of glasses but he still protects his identity because you just feel like that would ruin everything for a superhero right Motherfuckers calling you up, asking you for a ride to work and shit. Hey, uh, <laughs> you can generate electricity from your hands, right? Because, uh, <laughs> uh, Con Edison done cut my motherfucking lights up, dog. So you could, you know, just come on around here. You feel like people be hitting you up for unimportant things. It wouldn't be saving the planet. You just be getting people rides to work. They're like, look, dog, I'm on my last ride up at my job. So if you could uh, <laughs> use that super speed and get me to uh, work, and then, man, I really appreciate that, dog. Because, you 
because you ain't protecting your identity. You are just out here in the raw trying to save the planet. You feel me? So, and yeah, it's got some, um, like I said, some sense of humor to it, too. It's very, I'd say, Teen Titans-esque. So if you, if you enjoy the Teen Titans, which I do, that movie is underrated, Teen Titans. The movie. I forget what it's called, but maybe it's just called Teen Titans, the movie, but the movie's hilarious. At some point in that movie, they make fun of uh, Batman and the fact that everyone gets a movie before Robin, like, there's a movie about the car, and then Alfred gets his own movie, and then Robert just stands up and goes, okay, what do I got to do to get my own movie? <laughs> it's like, yeah, homie, you getting skipped over big time. But yeah, there's some sense of humor to it. It's very modern. Uh, the son, Mark, his invincible. His, uh, his girlfriend's black, which, mm-mm. Couldn't have been no knucks. You know damn well ain't no black woman. Sitting at home waiting on your ass all day while you try to save the planets. We got shit to do. <laughs> Which, yeah, like I said, it's very... I wonder about some of the decisions because it's just a little odd, you know. Got this young white dude running around with this black girl or whatever and it's just like hmm oh i just wonder what made them make that decision his best friend's gay as well so like i said it's very very modern uh oh the uh (laughs) there's like this like parody of the wonder twins i can't think of her name but it's very much she multiplies and of course one of the girl's boyfriends gets caught cheating with that dude so that's hilarious. There's like a shower scene where she pulls back the curtain and she's in the shower, but then all the multiples of her are also in the shower with the dude. And it's just like, damn, homie. Which every dude has to have that thought when you see the one, the twins. They're like, yo, that's two for the price of one. So with this girl, she multiplies. It's like, shit, that's a lot for the price of a couple. <laughs> So, yeah, there's that. A lot of little built-in humor, since little jokes. Like, even uh, the girl that I'm telling you about, I can't think of her name, but she has the symbol for a woman on her uh, uniform, but it's crossed out, which is like almost saying, like, gender doesn't exist. It's just like, yeah, how are they going to get that off in the 2020s? You know, we had the pandemic, but. As soon as they can, they're going to get to gender neutral and all the supergirls and bat girls and cat womans. Hmm. But yeah, like I said, super enjoyable. Um, Check that out. Which I still wonder because this modernist, they tried to make it. All the black characters are still black something, which is just funny. <laughs> like what? And you, you almost know they had to be conscious of it. You know, if they was conscious enough to make his girlfriend black or it's forward thinking to do that, to make his best friend gay. It's like, why is every black character still black something, you know? Black lightning and black this and black that. 
It's like I was telling my man about Luke Cage, where it's like, hey, bro, why does Luke have to be in the cage? Which Luke Cage actually went to prison. He got his powers in prison, which I was like, damn. Why black superheroes can't just get bit by a spider? Can we just get bit by a spider one time, please? Fuck, we got to be <laughs> in prison getting our power. Seagate. I enjoy Luke Cage on Netflix, but it's like, hey, 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 come on now with all that. Which Luke Cage is one of the few that doesn't have black in his name. Surprised it isn't black Luke Cage. Black Lightning and Black Panther and Black This and Black That. It's just like, ah, damn. Can we ever just be? <laughs> We just be Hawk, not Black Hawk. But yeah, this this show definitely keeps that thing, which I almost think they kept it because they are acknowledging how funny it is. But uh, what else is going on? Uh, there's this picture of Serena Williams going around. Looks like she's uh been indulging in some of the uh the bleaching. <laughs> Which every all the women said that the picture is just uh it's just makeup and bad lighting. And I'ma hope that the women are right on that one. Cause yeah, she's not looking good in this picture. I mean, she looks like the cowardly lion. And I've always thought Serena was beautiful. I mean dark skin or whatever and just you know, she looked good, man. Good shape, nice figure. Nice chocolate woman, but man, <laughs> you see these pictures lately, you like, and I had told my man probably two weeks ago, I said, yo, man, and she was in a commercial for something, and I said, is it just me, or does she look different, man, and of course, my man was playing the PC of, oh, no, man, I don't see no difference, and I'm like, I sent him this picture, he like, oh, okay, you was right, I'm like, see, I told you. I feel like every time Naomi Osaka beats her, <laughs> she starts to look more like Naomi Osaka, which Osaka's uh, part Haitian, so that might be the voop dip. That might be the voop dip. She ain't mad. Osaka can hit me with that voop dip any day. But, uh, yeah, maybe Osaka's been literally beating the black off Serena. <laughs> Uh, maybe I mean she been acting different since she whipped, got since she got with that colonizer that runs Reddit, which I'm sure there's got to be some mean Reddit threads of Serena memes, and I bet he's taken down all of those. And a lot of people became defensive. Oh, oh, that's not Serena. And I mean, you do have to be careful these days. There's a lot of photoshopping going on, but same time it's like shit hate to tell you that is real and yeah so that just looks crazy you know people want to come to a defense because we all love serena but same time it's like nah sis sis out here looking strange everybody says she look like white chick with marlon wayne <laughs> 
It's like, yeah, a little bit, man. This blonde weave, a wig, this powder all over your face. They said she looked like Teddy Perkins from Atlanta. I was dead. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just like, what is what is going on? What level of celebrity is this, you know? And I always hate that the hate, it always comes back to black men. But black men said she was ugly or manly, so this is y'all fault. And it's like, dog. Common dated her, Drake dated her. She, Common and Drake damn near got into a light skinned fight about her. You know, had Common all aggressive on his album. He took the crochet pants off, but it's like, yeah. So don't don't put that on us. That's what I hate. It's like, look, if black men are to blame for Little Kim, then who's to blame for Michael Jackson? Is that black men's fault too? Who's to blame for Sammy Sosa? Is it because we made him insecure? Because we didn't find him attractive enough? Which they always put the burden on us, you know. It's like, I, do y'all ever have to take responsibility for anything? Is anything just ever your fault? Like I said, Lil' Kim was our fault. That she's on her sixth face. With her seventh nose and her third skin shade. But then, you know, freaking Sammy Sosa's out here talking about it's the outfield. <laughs> it's like, hey, Sammy, we love you, but you played with about three other people in that outfield, and they ain't the shade that you are. So explain. Yeah, I like Serena. I hope, hope she gets it together. We, we don't know what's going on. Are that makeup artist or something. Hope it ain't the bleach. And hopefully we're over that phase. We all see how that worked out for Michael Jackson. Didn't look good. Looked good in the photos. With the Photoshop and touch-ups. But it did not look good in the mug shots. <laughs> That's the other thing, uh... Elon Musk is hosting SNL and a lot of people have a lot of opinions a lot of people claim to not like billionaires like Elon Musk uh, and they let me know that on Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook billionaire Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook while typing on Steve Jobs billionaire Steve Jobs iPhone that's right. A lot of people don't like Elon Musk. Billionaire Elon Musk, apparently. And they tell me this through billionaire Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook. While typing on billionaire Steve Jobs' iPhone. <laughs> These people are pretty funny, right? It's just like, I don't know what this whole billionaire hate thing is. Which, I mean, I get it, like. Like, I only dislike the rich when they don't understand that they were born rich. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, what it was it, the Simmons sisters back in the day. I remember watching, just catching the tail end. And, I mean, I must have been with a girl because there's no reason otherwise I'd be watching this. But a girl must have had me watching. Um, I forget what their show was called. Anyway, Russell Simmons' niece. 
uh, what is his name? Run Simmons, I guess. It's his daughters. Reverend Run. His daughters. Which the beautiful, uh, what is her name? Angela Simmons. God bless. Anyway, that kid Diggy's going to come after me. Her kid brother. <laughs> he got in that whole beef with J. Cole. And J. Cole had to be, hey, brother, your sister's fine. I don't know. Niggas is about to rap about her. I Get ready. Like, you going to drop a diss track for each one of us? Anyway, when Angela Simmons and the other sister, they had this show and it was on MTV. And I remember just catching the tail end of it. And they're like, oh, they had those pastry shoes. And they're like, well, pastry shoes, you know. If you see a void in the marketplace or something that you think should be in the marketplace, then just create it. And I just got pissed. And I told my girl, like, yo. I mean, that's easy for her to say when your uncle owns Fat Farm and you can just be like, oh, how did you make those shoes? Here, take this, make those shoes, make me some pastries. It's like, okay. And they was hot for a minute. They had a little run back in the late, in the late 2000s. But it's like, yeah, you just, you're a rich person's daughter or a famous person's daughter. So it's nothing for you to make a phone call or two, but let's not act like you created something from scratch. So I get a little bit of the disdain for the rich, but at a point it's just like, why can't Elon Musk host SNL? I mean, you know, we do this thing where we pretend, but I think a large part of that thing is we do this thing where we justify, okay, well, that person has a billion dollars. And we don't ever want to admit it's because they're smarter than me. Or in most cases, truly speaking, they're more well-connected than you, meaning they might have been born into wealth, so they know more people than you. But we do this thing where we have to um, we have to make it make sense to ourselves. So in order to make ourselves feel better, a lot of times, I think we say, well, that person has to be immoral. I'm very moral. I'm a very nice, good, hardworking person who would never cheat anybody. And that's why I don't have any money and I'm not a billionaire. And then we look at all the billionaires and say, well, you only have more money than me, not because you're smarter than me and not because you're more well-connected than me. You have more money than me because you're immoral. You're a bad person and you're willing to cheat people. And I just think there has to be some middle ground where it's just like, damn, <laughs> I ain't saying you got to love the billionaires, but just some of this is kind of silly. And I watched some of it. I mean, he announced he had Asperger's syndrome live on SNL, which is just like, wow, most people don't get to announce they have a mental disorder to an audience of millions of people watching at home like some motherfucker basically got to tell the world he's some type of retarded on national television most people find that shit out through a letter and they cry alone at the mailbox with their mom this motherfucker announced he was special needs to the world <laughs> On a Saturday night with a smile, which I feel like that is definitely privileged. That's like, yeah, that's privilege, bro. Find out you special needs and in 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 front of an audience of millions of people at home watching and 
thousands of people in the NBC studio. Definitely privilege, Elon Musk. So, yeah. But, uh, that's, you know, it. Like, that's the only, like, hilarity I see or, like, the thing to get upset about. But Kanye says he's got a mental disorder. What does he say? He's bipolar and he's on meds. And it's like, start looking at all these billionaires like well if Elon Musk got Asperger's and Kanye is bipolar hell I want to have a mental disorder somebody get me a mental disorder right now (laughs) I want to have a mental disorder at the bank as soon as you diagnose me I'm going to check my account (laughs) let me look at my balance real quick but yeah people I think definitely like to rationalize you know, all the while. Oh, I hate billionaires. You know, you go on Twitter and you see today's another day that Jeff Bezos hasn't fixed America's homeless problem. You go, first off, he didn't create America's homeless problem. So why is that his fucking job to fix? But you go, second off, uh, <laughs> second off, you know, that's that's not his job title. I love Jeff Bezos because he's got every girl in those Amazon leggings. Because, yeah, that's that's what's funny about that, you know. <laughs> the first tweet is about billionaires fixing America's all of America's problems. And the second tweet will be about, you know, <laughs> girl, just got these Amazon leggings in the mail. And it's like, whew. Uh, you don't see the irony in those two tweets, ma'am. So, which I thank Jeff Bezos for putting every chick in those Amazon leggings. Those are a nice fit. Nice, snug fit, I hope. And I feel like that's what got him divorced. Like, he didn't start making those leggings or delivering them until <laughs> until he got divorced. He's like, all right, I'm single now. Every chick wear these Spider-Man looking ass leggings. And they all look great in them, don't they? Anyway. Oh, it was Mother's Day yesterday, so I should do the obligatory uh, Happy Mother's Day to the mothers out there. If I got mothers listening, you're appreciated. Every year we have this big fight, mothers versus fathers, which is just silly. At a certain point, it's like, we all know mothers. Mothers do the most work. Think about my mother. It's like, yeah, she she did the most work. Picked us up from school, drove me when I was suspended, uh, <laughs> took me to the doctor's, dentist, all that shit. That was, she was in charge of that. My father could barely remember our names and He's just so busy working. He just look at us and like, look, Aaron or whichever one you are, just you get you get my point. At times, I remember he'd forget our birthdays. My mother would just look at him and go, "What's today?" And he'd stutter, a duh, a duh, a duh, <laughs> and she go, "Yeah, it's your damn son's birthday." And he'd look at you and get your name wrong and. <laughs> Happy birthday. You're like, well, he said happy birthday. Never mind the fact that he got it wrong. So, and I mean, my mother, my father, classic. My father was 
the provider, my mother, you know, she provide when she could, she get a job here and there, but whatever, whatever, my father, you know, go overseas for a tour or two, <laughs> he was like Jackson Mortal Kombat, I did three tours, motherfucker, <laughs> Sub-Zero did not care, but anyway, yeah, so, shouts out to all the mothers, that definitely is the harder job, but it takes motherfucking two. And absolutely don't be thanking yourself on Father's Day. Because when you realize that you feel like you play both the mother and the father role, I want you to understand you picked that nigga. <laughs> you picked him. We'll end on that note. Uh, thanks for listening. I do have some shows. So, I don't know. Check my social media. All social media. I am Phil Hunt. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Motherfucking Tough Talk Podcast. Uh, Like, share, subscribe, and thanks.